What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators. On today's show, we're going to talk some Florida hoops with Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. We'll put a bow on Florida's loss at Missouri on Saturday. Graham and I will discuss what went wrong for the Gators in Columbia, and we will also preview tonight's matchup against Ole Miss as Mike White goes for his 100th win at UF against his former team. Graham, welcome back into the pod. How's it going, my friend? Hey, Zach. Always good to be here. You know, you always do a great job. You summed it up very nicely. We are going to put a bow on that Missouri game. Mike White addressed the media Monday and talked about what went into that loss, saying that the Gators simply weren't mentally prepared. They didn't have the right energy and focus level before that. Some of that is the grind that they've been through. They had won four of the last five games. Uh, They had just played a very tough game in South Carolina that they ended up winning by 13 points. But then in travel, they had a quick turnaround and had to get to Columbia where there was a winter storm going in. They were prepared to stay the night. That's kind of a situation that can be a little bit difficult, for, especially for a young team that wants to get back home and, and, and the security of their own building. Having to stay an extra night and outside the comfort of your own building can be yeah. very tough. And, and the Gators simply weren't prepared for everything that that game brought. Missouri was missing their starting center in that game, but they couldn't miss from three-point, something we hadn't really seen from the Tigers this season. A team that had lost to Tennessee and Kentucky heading into that game, they lost a home battle against Tennessee by 10 points before Florida. So no one really anticipated what we saw in Missouri, but it still is concerning for this Florida team that had been so good defensively, top 25 in Ken Palm in defensive rating throughout the much the first half of the season to see them drop off of that way you don't want to take too much away from a game especially a negative if you're, if you're coach Mike White but it is a little bit concerning to see Florida drop off for 40 minutes consistently defensively that's going to be a huge thing for Florida tonight against the Rebels can they defend for 40 minutes especially facing the SEC's leading active scorer in guard Brian Tyree another tough challenge for the Gators defensively and we'll have to see if they have what it takes to step back up after being disappointed in Columbia last weekend Zach. Mike White on Monday, speaking on Saturday's game at Missouri, called Florida's effort one of the worst defensive performances he's ever seen in his nine-year career as a head coach. What was your takeaway on what went wrong for the Gators on that end? I mean, certainly you got to give some credit to Missouri for their sharp shooting and how hot they were from three, but some of that is because of how Florida was defending them and the lack of aggression that they usually do show when they step out on the floor. Absolutely. It's not one such thing. It's not that just Florida defensively was so bad that it allowed Missouri to score 91 points a season high. Mike White was very, very adamant that you have to give the Tigers a whole lot of credit for what they did, especially, like I mentioned, playing without their starting center, a little bit of a different lineup for them, a quick turnaround for them as well. And, and, you know, I mentioned the conditions, the winter storm, they were dealing with all that as well. So it really does seem like a cop-out, a very young team as well up there. So if you're 
if you're Mike White, uh, you have to look at how your team allowed the Tigers to penetrate the paint and, and play really outside in a whole lot. They were able to get in and, and get past the first level of the defense and then kick out for a lot of open shots. And the Gators really just were slow, a step slow getting to their spots and contesting those three-pointers. Would they have probably gone in uh, even if they were contested? Yeah, probably. The Tigers were just that on that night. But Florida didn't do themselves any favors no. on how slow they rotated and, and how they were kind of hesitant to contest those shots. I wonder if the game plan was that Missouri was considered to be one of the SEC's worst three-point shooting teams, so the Gators were banking on them taking and missing a lot of shots. Well, that didn't happen. It was one of those high-risk, high-reward moves if that was the game plan for the Gators. So clearly it didn't work out, and if you're Mike White, you need to make sure that your team is prepared to defend the three-point line every single game, no matter who the opponent is, because any team can get hot. I think there's this misconception that only good shooting teams can hit shots. No, everyone in college basketball hits a bad shot once in a while, and, and once in a while you hit them very frequently as the Tigers did they hit bad shots and good shots and the Gators if they let that happen again they're going to be on the outcome a lot more outcomes like that one Zach. Florida loses its first game in SEC play I think it's safe to say Graham they're not going to go undefeated in conference play they're going to lose more games against their SEC opponents but I I do feel like when losses happen for this team they do get kind of put under a microscope and sometimes I don't want to say there is an overreaction but there definitely is a reaction from the fans of frustration of disappointment when the Gators aren't able to get the win I mean where do you look at this loss in the grand scheme of the season of the SEC slate is it more concerning because of how bad Florida lost the game and because of on paper they should have been able to get a big win over the Tigers because they were missing their starting center, as opposed to just losing another game in conference play, because that's going to happen this season. Yeah, it's, it's a whole lot to unpack there. One could easily say if the defensive issues carried over into the next few games and Florida's confidence continues to waver and they continue to have those inconsistent performances where they get a little bit too sure of themselves that they have things figured out. If that continues, and, and that is one of the repercussions of this loss at Missouri, then certainly I, I think that that, that early loss and, and what it did for the trajectory of the team, that's certainly the worst thing of that game. But overall, I, I think that you kind of mentioned it by, by mentioning Florida's upcoming schedule. This was just mainly an opportunity to pick up a much-needed SEC win. You kind of look at that magic number for the Gators, what they have to hit in order to get into the tournament. They had 19 games to play in the in, in 2020. Any of those that they lose, considering that they have Baylor, LSU, they have to play Auburn, those games in the next three weeks are going to be probably a 500 split for Florida if they're lucky. So yeah. they can't ill afford to, to give up victories to, to the Rebels if, if they lose tonight and then at Missouri. Those are games that Florida has to win if they are going to actually make the tournament and make a run like many people expected this team to do. It's a chance for a quality win, and, and if you're a Florida team that like you said, Zach, is going to consistently be under the microscope when things don't go right. People are watching you, and you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt like many teams get if, if you lose a close game because everyone's watching and they're seeing all your flaws, and all of Florida's flaws right now are on full display, and it's up to Florida right now to correct those. Are there any bright spots that you take away from Saturday's game at Missouri? You did get another performance from Noah Locke where he lit it up from three-point range. I mean, four shots that he made in that game that matched a season high. You got Blackshear once again putting up double figures and scoring 20-plus, but outside of that, not really much. I mean, Andrew Nimhard cooled off. 
you didn't get a lot of contributions, but many other players. Yeah, I think that Noah Locke, if you have to pick anyone, had the best game, but this was one that Mike White said was so bad that they refused to even watch the film in the immediate aftermath. Due to NCAA rules, they couldn't watch it with the team staying in Missouri that night. They had to get back to their facilities before that they could do that. So the way that the schedule moved and the way that Florida had to get back into the building and start preparing for Ole Miss, the Gators just kind of tossed it out and didn't even look at it. So I think the only benefit, like you said, is Noah Locke's three-point shooting. The sad thing, I guess even the insult to injury in that game, is that Florida did hit 10 three-pointers and still lost a game. One could even say that it was their best three-point shooting game of the season, which is very frustrating to have it be worthless, ultimately. Noah Locke did, by hitting multiple three-pointers, improve to 12 consecutive games where he had hit multiple three-pointers, tying Brett Nelson's 2001-02 record. That's simply amazing. That's impressive. We knew that Noah Locke was a great shooter when he broke the freshman record last year. The only thing that I would worry about is if he starts doubting himself. I mean, if you're hitting three-pointers and it's it's not helping your team, there can be a tendency to save your energy or, or drive to the basket and try and pick up a foul, especially against an Ole Miss team that fouls at a high clip, which Missouri did as well. That may change Florida's game plan because you're not going to get nights where you shoot 50% every single night like Florida did in Missouri. That was very rare for them to do that. You would like to see that moving forward, but odds are that they're going to have to find other ways to score the basketball. Tonight's game against Ole Miss, Mike White's alma mater. Certainly always an interesting matchup when the Gators and Rebels play. What do you make of this game as the Gators come into it and try to bounce back after suffering their first conference loss? Yeah, Ole Miss is one of the SEC's underachieving teams, even though they do have Brian Tyree, like I said, who leads the SEC in scoring just under 1,500 points right now. I think that they not, aren't doing a whole lot well. You look at their last two games, actually kind of outliers for, for Ole Miss. They've shot very, very well from the free throw line. I think they hit 25 of 26 against Arkansas in a four-point loss ultimately in their past game. They wow. were perfect from the time before, but that's kind of, like I said, outliers. They are, con- before these games, one of the SEC's worst free throw shooting teams. They're supposed to be one of the SEC's worst teams when it comes to defending the three-point line. They don't rebound the basketball very well. This should be a, te- a chance for Florida against, like I said, one of the SEC's just worst overall defensive teams. This should be a chance for Florida to get some confidence back in a conference game. The chances of doing that are very slim, and, and I just mentioned all the opportunities that Florida let slip by in Missouri, the Gators can ill afford to do that tonight, considering that the opponent is once again considered to be weaker by Ken Pomeroy. And if the Gators don't capitalize on on those chances, what does that say for their opportunities in March? What do you feel like is the biggest thing that Mike White tried to address with his team after this loss that he's going to really be looking for on the floor tonight? when his team takes the court? I think energy. I I think that when you get into the SEC and you're playing two games, sometimes in four nights, you know, we forget that Florida played on Central Time on Saturday and now it's here Tuesday. We're, we're talking 72 hours and they were on a different time zone and dealing with snow and plane rides and multiple practices and lack of sleep. When you get into all those things, it can definitely creep in and affect your play. And, and if you're a young team like Florida, you're even, I think, more at risk of some of those things than other teams that have been through the gauntlet. Florida's sophomores in Keontae Johnson, Andrew Nemhard and Noah Locke, they certainly kind of hit a freshman wall last year where they really dealt with some fatigue. Now five freshmen in that roster of a team that only has nine healthy players right now. Florida really has to worry about fatigue against the Ole Miss team that really will run with them and give them a little bit of an increased pace of play, so to speak. So Hmm. if I'm Mike White, I would like to see 
a lot of energy tonight, no lackadaisical play, attacking in the basket. You know, you get that from Scotty Lewis and Keontae Johnson almost every single night, but Florida needs to drive the basketball, get to the free throw line, and then you can work on your three-point shooting once you get it open up in the second half. But if Florida's in a close game that goes down to the wire, that's, again, going to take away from some of that energy level that we talk about moving forward and the schedule gets no easier they got lsu a week from today they have to play baylor who is currently what 12 and 1 and number three in the nation after just beating kansas by 14 points in kansas florida slate gets no easier so certainly an opportunity for florida to pick up a much needed victory tonight and to prove that they have 40 minutes of energy in their legs zach we're speaking with graham hall from the gainesville sun now this could be a Big night for Mike White as if the Gators are able to get a victory. He will be at 100 career wins for his time here at UF. And he's not really that far off from the amount of games that it took Billy Donovan. They're both in the 150 range. Regardless of where he's at right now in terms of how Florida fans feel about him and how the season has gone, what do you make of him reaching this milestone and probably a little bit special if he can do it against his alma mater. Yeah, absolutely. Very special if he can do it against his alma mater where he played for four years uh, in the 90s with Ole Miss. You know, you mentioned Billy Donovan. I think that any time you have a chance to point out that Mike White is doing an impressive thing, even though it is in Billy Donovan's shadow at times, uh, 158 games in his co- in his coaching career at Florida now, um, has an opportunity to pick up victory number 100 tonight didn't he had a chance to do it at missouri didn't happen in game 157 you look at those coaches on that list lon krueger took him 180 games to get there and he's considered a guy look at him still Oklahoma, tearing it up so mike white i think obviously gets a lot of pressure and the expectations are very high but anytime you can reach 100 wins after a, a legendary coach you know really just did that at florida anytime you can do that in his shadow i think it speaks to uh how impressive that job is and i would like to see mike definitely do that for him um against his alma mater because i think that would mean a little bit more to him tonight one guy that we're still kind of waiting to see emerge you mentioned the freshman a lot uh during this episode trey man he kind of showed up a little bit in columbia and, and made some plays off of the bench and he had kind of not been involved at all in the first two SEC games. Where do you feel like he's at in, in his development, and, and how key would it be for Florida to get more from him? Yeah, he had his first three-pointer uh, against Missouri, one of those guys who, who did play well in a limited spurt. Uh, for him, it's so hard for him to, I think, get into a groove because he really does play that reserve role. And any guy like him, I, I think that he is kind of a – good mix between Andrew Nemhart and Quez Glover. He has the ability to put the ball on the floor and drive it very, very aggressively, but he's a guy who d- guys does to pr- prefer to let the offense develop slow um, on the wing and, and see how things move. I think that, that if they can get him to be a reliable three-pointer a game for him, five, six points a game, that'll do wonders for his confidence and for a team that definitely needs uh, to take some pressure off of Andrew Nemhard, yeah. a guy who, who leads Florida in minutes per game, led them in minutes per game last season, played all season with Team Canada. They really need either he or Quez Glover to step up and take some of the burden off him before uh, it starts to wear down Andrew Nemhard's play because we've seen a, a very uh, impressive Andrew Nemhard over these last four games, despite his performance in Missouri, did a lot of, I think, really good things. The turnovers weren't great in Missouri, but those three previous games before uh, were very impressive for Andrew Nemhard, but they won't continue if he has to keep playing 40 minutes a game. So yeah. that's where Trey Mann and Quez Glover really come into play. Now, you mentioned Glover, you mentioned Mann. We've talked a lot about the freshmen during this episode, and, and Mike White 
was asked specifically about this on Monday because a lot of the struggles that they've had this season can be attributed to their youth. And I think the youth card gets brought up a lot with this team. At what point is that not an excuse anymore? And what did you feel about Mike White's answer yesterday when he was asked that? Well, he kind of did hit, I think, it on the head. You know, Mike White is very uh, upfront and honest with a lot of his takes. And he, he said that that youth card really won't be an excuse anymore until next year. And, and he kind of laughed when he said it. Uh, but, but that's really, I think, a fair answer. You look at the sophomores, you look at the freshmen. I mean, eight of the nine players on this team, aside from Dante Bassett and Kerry Blackshear, eight of those 10 guys are, are underclassmen. They're, they're sophomores or freshmen. And then next year, they're going to add three transfers in the mix to kind of balance some things out. So next year, if the sophomores come back, if some of those freshmen stay, uh, that, that's certainly looks likely this is going to be a very very experienced team that would become very experienced overnight so certainly I can understand why Mike White uh, just being frank says that they're going to be young until next season but that's not an excuse to be bad I, I don't think you should ex- mistake yeah. being a young team for being one that is playing poorly and, and Mike White is very clear that the, the inexperience and the age is not a cop-out for the Gators team the Gators wanted to embrace that number six preseason ranking back in September. They can't turn around and then not like it just because it's not working out for them. Sure, You have to embrace those expectations, and, and that comes, I think, with accepting that you're going to disappoint people if expectations are high. And, and this is a team that I think is still grappling with that and realizing that uh, they're going to only get better moving forward because they're only going to get older moving forward. Well, they started the season ranked number six, still trying to climb back into the top 25. The Florida football team ends the season ranked number six. The final Associated Press poll came out today. The Gators in the top 10 for the second straight season after uh, for the first time since 2008-2009. Graham LSU is a national champion, one of Florida's two losses. Just overall, what do you make of the college football season now that it's come to a close? Yeah, I thought it was a very impressive season, especially by LSU. You know, when we were there in July talking to that team in SEC media days, they were raving about their offense. We were kind of scoffing at them. I know I was saying, I mean, they were acting like they had reinvented, you know, the RPO or they had, they had invented the RPO and it, that they just discovered it. And, you know, they were really kind of talking in vague terms, but everything that they were describing was things we'd already heard before. You know, once we saw the product in the field, it backed up all of their confidence for me. Joe Burrow's confidence, his rise in the last year, unless you really hate LSU, you have to love that story because certainly every fan would want their quarterback to take a leap, their offense to take a leap the way that LSU took one this year. And, you know, I love the Ed Orgeron story. I've laughed at Ed Orgeron the way he, you know, talks and says, hold my tiger and all that stuff. But the way that he celebrated that game and and really I think kind of embodied what a coach is supposed to do too often we see head coaches get in their own way and try and do too much just because they're a head coach Ed Orgeron knew to kind of get out of the way and and let his two offensive guys and Joe Brady and Steve Ensminger just take over control and and run that offense and he would handle the defense and the defensive line and, and the front seven all that stuff you saw a perfect mix, a unit that worked in sync, assistant coaches that respected each other, that knew their jobs, didn't really have that jealousy, and it resulted in a 15-0 and season, which, you know, how... That's not... It's easier said than done. It's so easier said than done. I can't remember the last one we had in the SEC. I know Clemson did it last year. 
every single year, uh, you think that there's some team that can do it, but there's always some game on their schedule. You're like, oh, they're going to slip up. The fact that LSU beat, I think, what, four of the top 10 teams in, in the final AP top 10 ranking it really speaks that they answered every single question. Joe Burrow, 60 touchdowns in a season. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. And if we do, I hope that people look back and say, hey, Joe Burrow and LSU in 2019 did it first. Yeah, I will say Joe Burrow is great, but he's no son of a preacher, man. Just, just, I'll just leave it at that. Oof. Just leave it at that. Well, Graham, thanks once again for joining us. Always appreciate your knowledge and perspective. And that'll do it for the latest edition of Locked on Gators on today's show. We put a final bow on Florida's loss at Missouri. We preview tonight's matchup against Ole Miss. On tomorrow's show, we will recap that game. For Graham, I'm Zach. Cheers, everyone.